Good evening, and welcome to Laughing Monkey Music Show with Terry Line Steve. How are you, Steve? Hey, buddy. How are you? Been a while. Been a little bit. Obviously, who doesn't know? Where we're, if you watch the channel, you know, Steve, Mr. Blaze has been on many times from Lillian Axe, but got something to promote today. Uh, uh, a new package, a new product out, we'll call it. Yes. Um, came out a couple of weeks ago. It's called Psalms for Eternity. It is a three CD anthology. So, uh, you know, with our new signing to the new label, Global Rock, they wanted to put something out, do a nice uh, anthology type thing, kind of a time capsule. That's what right. it, it kind of looked at this as being a time capsule. In a thousand years, if somebody dug this thing up, what would be a good representation of what the band was about back here in the, you know, in the 2000? That's era. a challenge. You got a, lot of, you got a lot of albums, like what, nine albums or something? No. Nine? Yeah, I, mean, I can never please anybody, of course. So it's like, you know, uh, we decided to handle it a little bit differently. So the first disc is called Earth. And um, it is the, uh, what well, we took like, though, if there was a um, one song that was kind of a single, so to speak, either mm -hmm. a video single or the the one song that seemed to be like the uh, the forefront maybe first release track on the album, so obviously it had to be Misery Loves Company of course, and then people oh, Dream of Lifetime. So like, you get an argument for every case, right. but I tried to pick one that was a good lead off for each record. Then the second album, uh, the second one, which is called is it Sea or Sky? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, it's one of the Sky. I think it's sky. sky is that was kind of a like a deep cut, so mm -hmm. to speak, but too, too deep, right? Like the ones that were like fan favorites, but weren't a video or a single or whatever, you know? So, and then third one played on an idea I had a long time ago about doing all ballads, just because there's a whole uh, side to this band that kind of, um, uh, it, it's always been there to, in the forefront was that we write a lot of ballads. We have a lot mm -hmm. of, I hate to use the term power ballads, but we do a lot of esoteric kind of um, beautiful light and dark ballet type stuff. So I wanted that to be represented. So I picked what I thought was like the quintessential ballad on each record. And then each album, uh, each of the three has a bonus track. And uh, we, uh, the idea I came up with for the artwork was taken by Todd Schmidt and created far beyond what my image was of it i mean he he turned this idea into a, a masterpiece it's a beautiful cover but it's a um do you remember the movie contact with jodie foster that's a good movie uh, i love that movie remember that scene where she was we don't know really where she was but it seemed like she was on another planet yeah and, at the end the big like on a right and you and that scene because i saw it in the movies and the too, yeah heavens and it was this entire expanse of just universal beauty. It was amazing. So I said, I'd love to capture that. So we created a type of planetary situation with all the, the stars and planets and everything we could imagine with, with using purples and blues to create this with an, this big obelisk coming out of the ground, reaching up into the sky and all the album covers are kind of engraved into the obelisk so it's kind of a ground up look so um he did an amazing job on it so i thought it came out really really well but that was kind of a thing like a time stamp 
if we could do the time capsule yeah. for anybody that come across it in a thousand years or so. What a challenge to do, but all your songs, but in a way you're getting, you're buttoning things up. Was there a challenge with the new record label taking over to use some of your old stuff, bringing you in? Uh, yeah, we got it all worked out though. Yeah. Um, the only real issue we had was the first two albums. Right. That's what I was thinking. That's if we really dug into it, we probably could have not had to sidestep it, but we did so by putting other versions of those songs. All right. That's, what, we, that's what I thought. That's what I thought it was. I heard them live. I'm like, you don't have to do that. Right. Now, the, the song is a song, you know? So um, they worked it all out and we had, you know, ownership of everything else. So right. I went being less of a mess than it could have been. Right. Well, the other problem you would have had, you could re-record it, but then it'd be a different singer. And if you're doing all the albums to represent a timepiece, that wouldn't be a timepiece. I like you. I like you singer, but it wouldn't be that yeah. time for that. It wouldn't be that singer for that song. Exactly. And that's how I always felt because I've had a lot of people say, why don't y'all go and, you know, put the screws to those old labels and just go ahead and re-record everything. I said, but that's not, it's not the essence of right. that record. You know, when we record a song in the studio, it's, it is a time stamp. It is mm -hmm. a magic about that moment. Not saying we'd never do it again, but I wouldn't want to release it, you know? Um, well, especially album like, for album, it would be weird. It's not like you're, I mean, some bands have done it because they have all the band members still, they want to get out. So they just redo their album. Right. That's a little different because it still kind of sounds the same. Yeah. But this would be different. I mean, maybe if you do like a live album with all the different songs with your new singer, yeah. that would be different. But, you know, also, uh, there was no lack of new material ever. So, you know, why, why that stuff's there? It's, mm -hmm. It has, has its time in the past and it has its time present and it will still be here in the future. But we are creating and adding on constantly. Well, it, it's, it's really good the way you do it. I know you're like newest, oldest or vice versa, but the first track is a really good start. And I, I yeah. do feel one thing, I just, sorry, we'll cut it off as we talk. I want to add one thing. I do feel there's a lot more biblical references tied in on this one. You've always had it in your work, but everything is really starting to come out more strongly all tied together. I don't know if that was on purpose or. I don't, you know what? It's funny because I, I don't do anything on purpose, really. It's just, it's the way it is. But you are right about that. I mean, you know, the, um, I mean, it's no secret. I'm a born again Christian. No. My belief system is strong. Uh, I have, I write about good and evil. I write about mankind and the human condition and, and all things within there and those parameters. And um, yeah, I guess hopefully the older I get, I'm smarter and maybe a little more eloquent I become or a, a bit able to, you know, um, express my ideas and things in a different way than I did before. But you are right about that. And on the new album, it's even more so. We have choirs and uh, it's the, the, the new album is is a, a a departure on the same flight let's put it that way um same vehicle but a whole new departure it's it's a, really gonna turn some heads it's a very uh, it's a religious experience when i sit there and listen from top to bottom it's um I, I just can't wait for everybody to hear it it's but there is a lot of reference because it's loosely based on my life but it's about the lessons from birth until ascension at, at the end of one's life, um, all the lessons learned and things and realizations within those two time periods. And um, 
I think that every human being at different points, different uh, circumstances, goes through all of those same experiences as they go through their life. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I'm hoping that it strikes a chord like that, but it's, um, it's, it's something else. These guys, the, the band, the, uh, the engineers, uh, did an amazing job. So, and topping it off with Ted Jensen doing the mastering on it. Um, like I said, I told my wife, I said, you know, we've been recording this album for three years now on and off. I said, when I finally, the final, product in my hand shrink wrapped finished ready for i'm gonna probably either melt cry <laughs> or, or, or have a cognac <laughs> I, don't, I don't drink so who knows i'm just gonna it's gonna be an an emotional release for me when i when it's finally done because i have out of everything i've ever done this has been the most emotionally taxing and i've been through the most in doing this and on many different levels. So once it comes um, out of you, that's it. You can be like empty. You have empty, like empty nest syndrome after a while, you know, after a week of it. Everybody's like, what are you gonna do after this? Where are you gonna go from this? Cause this is a this is like you know, is this is a, a pinnacle here. And I was like, eh, I'll worry about that the week after it comes out. So I was joking around with with Giles, our A and R guy, and he's like, Well, you ready to start recording the next one? <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> <laughs> the week after this comes out, we'll be back in the studio again. There'll never be a lack of uh, of material or creativity. Well, now you can do space too, because you have the whole Earth and everything else going on. You next one could be like some kind of Silver Surfer galaxy space. Exactly. You know, thing. Well, I mean, oh. your work has a lot of spirituality in it. I think is what the way I'm saying because obviously it's not written as a way like, and this is not a dig towards like Striper, right? Know? It's a little bit different. Like it's more palatable for anybody to listen to it, where your commitment is a little different for other people. You know what I mean? It can be a little looser with religion exactly. and interpret it as just being a positive thing and then being exactly what it is with right. other well, bands. Belief systems always has from the beginning. Um, for, you know, it could, it could be geographically uh, determined, it could be many different reasons why people think and believe different things. But I also, and I'm very accepting of that, whether I, my system is, a belief is different than others. What I don't accept is making excuses for being bad mm -hmm. and, and on, well, that, you know, you, if you don't believe in God, that doesn't give you a, a right or an excuse right. to, to hurt other people. There's a real, very distinct difference between good and bad. The moral now, fiber. <laughs> Exactly. And that's it. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's plenty of different people with different religious backgrounds, but if they're all going towards the positive angle, I think it's that simple as good and bad. Now that you got things that are not quite as good and not quite as bad as, as other elements of it, but still it's a lean one way or the other. Right. And, uh, and so that that's on this record, even though there are references to heaven and God and, Jesus and Satan and the devil and whatnot, those elements exist in all uh, spiritual dogma, you know, whether it, whether you're a Buddhist or whatever, you, you do have somebody that you think or some entity that you think is the creator and the giver of all, you know, and you always, and they always have the opposite side of that too. Now, uh, you can't have so, one the other. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, and that's where a, a lot of these moments, there's a song on here 
for example, called The Fall of the Human Condition. And it's, a, it's about what mankind is going through. And we see it now, uh, but man has been rising and falling and rising and falling and picking himself up and screwing himself over and doing it over and over again since he's been in existence. So um, it's just kind of a, um, a, a repetitive thing that I think until the end of time, it's going to continue to go on like that. But that's, those are the types of things that we talk about and that I wrote about for this album. You said it was going to be a long one too. I think last time we talked, you're like, you're threatening us to be like over an hour or something. You think it'd be pretty epically long. Is that still on track for being super long? It's no, it's not as long as it could be. Um, I think it's 16 tracks, but there are, there are interludes that are tracks. It's really, it's like a novel. It's not, you know, where you can flip around from one song to the other and, and get it. It's a piece. It starts off with a song called Breathe. And it's the first thing you hear in the record is a, the actual heartbeat of an unborn baby um, in the womb. So, and the first song is Breathe and it's about the actual birth of a child. And it goes on and on through childhood and through maturity and through realizations of evil and realizations of paranormal, realizations of love and loss and where we are, uh, false gods, um, the arrogance and narcissism of man. There's a song called Feelings of Absence. And I wrote it. Uh, I had the music and I knew what I was going to write about it. And then all of a sudden, the whole thing with the uh, Russian invasion came up and the lyrics came real easy at that point. I'll bet. But a lot um, of good writing material. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's mankind never ceases to give me uh, anything but a plethora of information to write about. So all I got to do is listen to the radio or uh, look at the news and I got a lot to write about. So what, what's uh, the last sound going to be on that album? Like a uh, dirt hitting a coffin or. <laughs> last song is called from the mountaintops and it is actually about uh the passing of life and uh it, it's kind of a twofold thing it's about an individual coming to peace and and having clarity and real realizing in that split moment before he passed away that you know that we really weren't meant to actually know everything right now and i'm good with that and i'm at peace and here i go the last song is called ascension and it's about the soul ascending into heaven. And it's both, all these songs are filled with choirs and strings and giant guitars and big drums and piano, thunder and lightning and bells. And uh, we've got maggots, flies, um, timpanies, gongs, um, wind chimes, wow. there's every uh, mellotron, strings, cellos, as everything, grand piano, everything that you, that I could possibly put into this. It is, it's like a giant musical. Um, but, um, so I, there was really nothing else. I didn't want to put a tuba in it or any brass. I'm not a big, you know, I wasn't going to do a sax solo. A big well, tuba you know. solo at the last song and really kind of throw <laughs> off the whole. That's next album. What are you going to do different this time? Tuba solo. There you go. All tuba. <laughs> Well, are you going to, so like, actually, so if you play it, we're going to play out. What are you going to do? Like the whole album and then at the end do like some greatest hits? It would be virtually very, well, I shouldn't say impossible, very difficult to uh, to do this album, although we could and I could figure out a way to do it. No, uh, we'd probably take certain elements of it 
I'll give you some example. There are two songs on here with choirs on them with 120 voices that Brent and I created. We did, we are the voices. We call it the Moron Tabernacle Choir. And uh, <laughs> you would you would think it was any any choir yeah. out there. Uh, I mean, we we spent hours and built it and there are eight part harmonies and it's um it's it's goosebump material you know but it it come it, it's done well it's on a song called dance of the maggots and on that from the mountaintops song we have these big giant 120 voice choir uh, i think it would be cool to do it if you could do if you could recreate similar i mean if you use background tracks it's not like you're doing you know well we could do we could do and and i've I always uh, talk about the way Queen did harmonies with their right. big giant. They would do those same harmonies, but they would do three or four. We have four singers in the band, so we could do four part harmonies and and do the parts. Right. We could do it. I, I don't shy away from anything, you know. Um, even the things with with big pianos and stuff like that, we play them on guitar. We do a different version of that song and uh, keep it true to its element, but. We, we've never used tracks and uh, I don't plan on ever doing so either. Well, I think there would be a pass though, because if you did it as a production, as an album, and it was being passed off as what it was as yeah. the album, it would be different than being on a, on a cruise ship or doing something in your microphone, everyone's singing eight feet back with the background vocals <laughs> or their mouths closed. And it's, you're not, you're really performing. You're just, right. those are just like the icing part. It's not the same as, you know, the band's still yeah. playing. If honest about it, if you're like, look, we don't have a keyboard playing in this band, so we're using right. keyboard tracks. But as far as like vocals are concerned, right. you know, there's a ton of vocals. We but we can sing them. We can do them ourselves. Now the choir stuff, we might have to do those triggered or whatnot. But um, we also, I think, we could pull them off too, as with vocals. You guys sing though. You do, and 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 I was noticing this. Even from your first album to your most recent, you do have a certain sound when everybody sings that you've been pretty right. much able to. Obviously, your voice is a big part of that mix, but you pretty much be able to keep it going from having Ron, who was obviously the singer, all up to now of Rent. So, I mean, you, there's a certain you're not talking about. You guys have a certain harmony that's very much the sound, right? Like just yeah. like your guitar tone is the vocals harmony is is a sound to you guys. I think so too, and I think it's a. Uh, it, not only the, the way, I guess the way that I approach harmonies, that's one of the things that I learned when I was a kid. Uh, I was always, a, in, you know, I grew up in the 70s. I was just massively in love with songwriters and listening to band Elton John and Bread and mm-hmm. you know, early Queen and James Taylor and um, all the songwriters. You know, there were a lot of great songs and songwriters, guys that wrote one or two songs you never heard from them ever again. Uh, but the, the harmonies and the songwriting of that time really influenced me. And I was like, I love harmonies. I love doing unusual harmonies. Our harmonies are never set in stone. I may be one line underneath it. On the next one, I might be a third over it. And then the third line, it's a combination of both. Or I might switch. You know, I switch it over to what pleases me in my head. I don't use it as a mathematical equation like we've got to do, you know, stay on thirds all the time and then on this one we go here i never ever do that i just go with what i trust my instinct and my gut on everything um 
because I get that asked a lot. Why do you do this? And what you, I don't have a pattern. It just happens, you know, and it's just what comes in my head. You know, like they, I get asked that, do you write lyrics first? Do you write guitar? How do you come up with this melody? And I really, I wish I could be more helpful in, well, you know, I do it just like this, but I can't do it like that. I'll write lyrics in the car driving around. I write a song. Um, I wrote one of the songs on this album. I wrote in a dream about six years ago. I woke up in the middle of the night and I ran to my phone and I recorded it on my voice and left it there for like five or six years. And then um, for this album, I was like, this is time. And then this song, Ascension, I was playing around the keyboard and I wrote this little part. I had this part for like seven, eight years on my phone. And I knew one day it was going to happen. And I could hear, it was like a minute long of the idea, just tinkering on a keyboard. Right. I could hear it was going to come out but it was I had to wait for the right time and it came out better than I even anticipated in my head so that's why I, I go with my instincts and my gut on a lot of things oh and also my son Jude he just turned 13 he wrote the opening riff to one of the songs too when he was a little kid well he still is my little kid but he when he was about five <laughs> playing around with his uh with the keyboard a uh, little ipad or something or some kind of little uh, I don't know if it was on the, the PlayStation or on his iPad. And he came up with this little riff. And I was like, where'd you get that? And he's like, oh, I'm just matching colors and sounds and, and, and playing around. And I got the phone out, recorded it, got the guitar out and figured it out. And said, That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Get a writing credit. <laughs> good. That's good. Get him started early, right? Yep. That's pretty funny. Um, so you, you, you've been playing out a little bit now, though. So you've been doing some of the cruises or on the mountains and some of those shows, right? Right. Are you doing yep. some of your, did you actually see online? I didn't see it, but you actually starting to do some of your new music on, out there too already? Doing I Am Beyond, which is okay. Um, first track. Well, it's the second track on the album. The first track is Breathe. It's kind of an introduction, epic introduction into the record. But I Am Beyond is gonna, probably more than likely going to be the first video and first single if you can really name anything a single anymore but that's going to be the so first song that we push and we're going to do a video for that it's called i am beyond we've been playing it out yeah i thought i saw that there's a video on youtube for it yeah yeah i think i was playing it live yeah and i didn't know i didn't i saw it but i didn't check it out i was like oh, i'll find out what's going on with that if you guys yeah. are doing new stuff or not or what it was that's cool we, so on, i want to feel out what the audience likes you know, and kind of see which songs rise. What are, what are the songs that I hear the most of? Mm -hmm. Because I back to when I try to guess in my head, what do I think are going to be the ones that people are going to gravitate to? Did I let close people in my circle hear it? And it's all over the place. It could be anything. You know? So, uh, which is a good thing too. I like the fact that it's not like very obvious, you know? You could do one of the things where you choose, you know, have everybody vote for the songs that they want to see you play. That's you a know? great idea. We have done that before and asking, you know, what songs do you want to play? And, it, and it's it's so across the board. You know, obviously, you know, the ones. Right. You want the big ones, but you can say like, all right, out of these out of these five or six main ones. Right, right. They, they learn 15 others and then you can throw in, you know, half of them there one night and the other night yeah. they're coming back, especially if you're doing shows that are so close, one state apart or whatever. Some people go yeah. to both shows. They can get some new songs in both things if you kind of. Oh, we that too. We, our set is usually two hours long. Um, so, guitars on a album. 
What do you, and, what have you been doing? What, uh, you, you, what you know, guitars are you using? You, you sing? Well, I have um, uh, my own, coming out July 1st, my own signature pickup. Oh. Uh, out of Baton Rouge, a guy named Jeff Richard. He has a, he is the uh, elite guitar pickup creator and winder. He, he is, he is a, a, a luthier, mm-hmm. does the He's been around a long time. I've heard his name and I never got the chance to meet him until about six months ago. And we hit it off. We got together and he, he uh, set up a bunch of my guitars and he said, look, man, what, why don't we do your own signature pickup? So we spent hours going through pickups and guitars and tones and created one's called the blaze bucker. And it's coming out July 1st and it is just an amazing pickup. So fortunately I was able to still have a few tracks on the album to use and uh it sounds fantastic so that's coming out in july but I'm, on this album i use a lot of different things i use my gibson explorer my les paul my charvels i have three charvels i used all of them my strictly seven my guilford's uh i use composite acoustic um acoustic guitars. how do you like, how do you like the composite I, I like it a lot yeah yeah it's very it's solid i i, I like something that the neck stays consistent and I know and it's got good action on it. I use my Takamini too as well. And then I used a guitar they had in the studio, uh, a tailor that they had sitting around in there that hadn't been played in like 10 years. And I just let me feel that. And it's played pretty good. And we let's mic it up, see how it sounds in this track. And it sounded great. So we just use it. They had another guitar that had only the uh, the high uh, the high strings of a 12 string on it. So almost like a lute kind of sound mm-hmm. to it so just the i had the high octaves on all strings i use that on um i have an acoustic uh interlude called endless green fields and that's what i used on it so it kind of sounds like a weird mandolin flute hybrid that um, sounds cool so, yeah i've got b3s on this album i've got playing the hammond b3 was a unique experience because I never really played. I was out in the control room. I mean, in the uh, recording room and we had this Hammond through a, a Leslie and it was cranked up. And when you hit the chords on that thing with that Leslie, like five feet from me, you could feel those things going through your bones. It was like you got engulfed in this warmth and it sounded amazing. It's on a song called uh, the fall of the human condition and it's um it's right in there with the big heavy guitars and you can feel and it's just that john lord rumbling underneath it's man it it felt great i could just sit out there it was hit a chord and just bask in it for an hour it's like having a massage it was great um we got mellotron on this record we have piano lots of strings um we brought in a very seasoned uh, keyboardist to do uh, tracks on three of the songs. There's piano on it, four or five songs. I did a couple of them, uh, simpler stuff. And then uh, he came in for the other stuff. And then we just spent a lot of time on great string and cello patches. Um, and- well, last question for you is what was going on with the veil? Well, we are right in the process right now of editing the documentary we've been working on for a year. And we've got a couple more things to, uh, to video. Um, 
And then uh, it's about mm, 20, 25 minutes of it is completely edited. And that's been the toughest part. Now um, we get into editing of the actual investigation of so the documentary called Ghosts of Fort Jackson. We're hoping to have that edited and uh, presented for streaming like by the end of the year. Now that I have this album pretty much under my belt in the next few mm -hmm. weeks, that is the next emphasis is not only to uh, get that documentary done, but to get our Love and War show podcast back up and running again. That's right. Well, I know for a while you were talking about trying to get it you know, signed or something with the series, get it out there. You were putting stuff together. So you have a lot of yes, ideas with it. We've been in and out. It's been like shopping a record deal, but much more difficult. Uh, we've had promises from many different people on picking up uh, our show, our ghost hunting show, and uh, even down to the point where a network gave us a time slot. And then uh, things fall apart. Finances fall apart. Uh, flakes pop up and you realize somebody was was not doing what they were supposed to. It's, it's same old garbage that everybody experiences in business. So now we decided, Todd Schmidt and I decided, we're just going to go ahead and do our own documentary. And he is a uh, brilliant editor, cameraman, photographer. He, and uh, this, this documentary is really cool too. It's different than your normal standard documentary. Starts off with basically how I got into paranormal and how I created the veil, the team, mm -hmm. and uh, how my partners and I in, the, in this uh, in this team decided we were going to do this one investigation that we've been wanting to do for a long time, and which we've already done. It's already filmed. It's already been documented and created. Now, editing the actual documentary itself. So, hopefully, yeah, by the end. <laughs> I hope so because we've been talking about it for a while. I'm kind of curious. I want to yep. see it. Oh yeah, I think you'll you'll really enjoy. It. You know, it's like these projects, they become they start off one everything I get involved in starts off, all right, we're gonna do this. Then all of a sudden, oh, we're gonna do this. Then it gets bigger and bigger. And before you know it, it's like, oh God, we gotta do it. We gotta make it better. We gotta make it bigger and better. But at the end of the day, as long as the uh as the people are are pleased with it, that's the most important thing to us. Well, yeah. As as things are getting back into normal, get a, you have a more extra time to finish things up. So, you know. Are they getting back to normal? Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you playing out now without a mask? Well, that's true, but uh, I would have done it. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. You know, that's a whole nother show. We talk about that. Hey, I'm, I'm blessed. We made it through. We're here. Now, hopefully, we can get uh, uh, man to start acting like a, like a grow up out yeah, there. Good luck, with that. good luck with that, right? <laughs> People... I want to tell everybody to check it out. It's on all the platforms. You even have it up on YouTube. And actually, you have yes. all your albums up there. So and actually, go subscribe to the page. You know, subscribe to everything. It's Facebook because, you know, Love and War is on, right? You actually stream it on your Facebook. You can see Love and War show on, on my Facebook page. The best thing to do is go. There's a, uh, we have a Love and War show channel on, uh, on YouTube with all 40 episodes on it. Okay. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, easy to get a hold of on my Facebook page and on Lillian X page. I'm, uh, I'm always on there. I'm always trying to let everybody know what's going on. You know, I've got a lot of yep. uh, other little things on my pop vinyl, but I have a, uh, cool. a pop yeah, right. I have this, uh, this comic book artist did a print. I've got, uh, we have Lillian X patches, new merchandise at visionmerch.com. And 
we're just trying to push it, brother. Just all right. Well, all the links will go underneath the show as usual. I appreciate you, man. It's always good to speak with well, you. Thanks for you too.